hi, friends. Nice to see you. I'm back. Everybody's back. We're here. It is a busy day today. Um, we try to segment things now. We try to bring real professionals in to talk to you instead of just a couple of jack-offs just kind of going, hey, this is what I think. Hey, this is what I think. Isn't that what podcasting is? Just people going, here's what I think. Well, I'm tired of that. And so we're bringing aboard people who know what they're talking about, specifically about things that are difficult to discuss, where the minutia matters, where the little things matter. And I want to talk to a couple of people today, uh, and I'll introduce one of them, then we'll get to the other, uh, about what's going on with the 2018 World Junior Hockey Championship team. Of course, everybody's well aware of the Hockey Canada scandal over the past couple of years. Uh, and Since it came to light, the media pressure. Uh, there was a sexual assault in London, Ontario back in 2019 after the World Junior Team 2018-2019 team concluded the championship winning after a gala. A young lady complained to the police that she was sexually assaulted by no less than five men. Those five men have now been recalled uh, by London police six years later uh, to attest to what happened, to be possibly charged with crimes. And uh, this is a big deal. It's a big deal in hockey crazy Canada. We take our identity from this sport for some unknown reason, but we have some of the best hockey people in the world to talk about it with us today. Please welcome back to the program. Uh, the head of sports here at Cryer Medium is Rachel Dory. Hello, Ms. Dory. Hello, Dean. Nice to see you again. Sorry we come together on such a weird topic, but I'm glad to see you. Before we get going, the Javinko jersey in the background there. Um, I, yeah. Can you wear that? And does it fit? Cause you guys are roughly the same size, five foot one, five foot two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, uh, funny enough, I'm, I'm five foot four. Uh, that is a game worn Eastern conference final Jersey. Um, so he actually, that's, that's the Jersey he wore. And, uh, when I wear it, it's actually a little tight on me. So, um, that, that's, that's kind of interesting. He's definitely more muscular than I am, but yeah, yeah. I'm a little taller than he is. So yeah, he's a lot better at soccer than I am though. Let's Not anymore, maybe. <laughs> Not anymore. I don't know if he's. I don't even know where he's, but where he went. Like Javinko came here, uh, was just this firehouse, and then he took off. That's all I know. Is Javinko was great for like five, six years, and then he won a championship. And see you later. Then we got some other guys. I don't know a lot about soccer, so I'm really glad to talk soccer with you off the top. Yeah, I mean, uh, soccer is my passion sport. I do a lot of work in hockey, but I keep soccer separate because that's the sport I love the most, and it thankfully hasn't been ruined for me the way that hockey has. And I think part of what we're talking about today and what I talked on my podcast about uh, mm -hmm. today that comes out later tonight is um, sort of this situation that we're going to dive into. But I think yeah. having a conversation about hockey culture as a whole and sort of where we're at there. Yeah, no, I appreciate you being here, obviously, uh, not just as a very well-respected mathematician, video analyst in the, in the sport. Uh, you've worked with a couple of NHL teams you're very well respected when it comes to not just your opinion about the game, technical parts of the game, how to play the game, how to break down the game and analyze the game, but you're a strong female. Um, you know, and this has to do with the sexual assault of a woman by five players. We're all aware of hockey culture. You brought friends today, too, which I'm really happy about. Um, please welcome to the program. I, I, this guy's been one of my favorite hockey guys for a long time. And when I found out he was a buddy of yours, I'm like, Oh, can we have one of those too? Please welcome uh, independent hockey analyst, uh, Mr. Andrew Berkshire, ladies and gentlemen. Nice to see you, sir. How are you? Good, good. Just a, a little bit red face. Just got back from the gym. So yeah. hopefully that's uh, not too much of a distraction, but ready to chat about awful things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, right? It kind of brings people together. Sometimes you need better people to help you understand it. And that's kind of what we do here on the podcast. It was something that requires some uh, some understanding, some sensitivity, some expertise, sort of lifting the curtain on the things and the minutiae that some people might not talk about when it comes to this. But everything is awful. Um, and uh, you are very close to the situation. Both of you guys are super involved in the back rooms of hockey when it comes to conversations. Before we get to it, and I want to ask you guys, and you can both kind of weigh in, something Locke and I talked about in the podcast yesterday. You know, when you hear those rumors about stuff like this, you know, sometimes it's about like a wife, sometimes it's about a sister, sometimes it's about something even worse. Sometimes it's about crack, sometimes it's about coke, sometimes with with hockey players in your world. Is this this whole thing around the world junior hockey team, which we sort of prefaced and some of the charges that might be coming and how five players are supposed to turn themselves in three or four of which are really good NHLers or good NHL players. Um, did you guys kind of hear about it? I don't know who wants to weigh in first. Did you guys hear about these rumors for the past few years before they kind of came to light over the past couple? 
Yeah, there's been rumors, right? I, I mean, I don't know about Rachel. I've been very careful about naming names. Like, I've heard yeah. names uh, in back-channel discussions, but you never want to throw a name out there in case it's not the right person or, you know, you're, you're associating somebody with something that's so unbelievably heinous, uh, so you got to be careful. But I, I would say several of the names that came out weren't a surprise. Uh, I think Alex Formanton is the least surprising after the senators like he's a very good nhl player and the senators seem to have zero interest whatsoever in signing him when he was a i think a restricted free agent yeah they just said nope no thank you yeah so i i think on the one hand i'll give a little bit of credit to the senators for making that choice Uh, i know it was a self-serving choice and not wanting to be associated but there's not enough hockey men in this sport that are willing to make that choice. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the time this stuff gets rumored and it just stays as rumor. And even for people who know that it is not just a rumor, they're, they're just kept quiet, right. Or pushed to the sidelines. And those stories either never get out or get out and are hushed very quickly. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'll say um, this has been something uh, that, that was on my radar for, for quite a while. I mean, there was a point where I was working in junior hockey um, and uh, I was an employee of the New Jersey Devils when this happened. And while we didn't hear about it that summer, there was a player in the organization, uh, obviously was still in that organization that has now taken a leave of absence. And I was not surprised that was a player where that he had been in the back channel discussions like Andrew was mentioning for, for quite a while. And I think the names, there was really only one name yesterday that I was maybe a little, I raised my eyebrow at. Um, But from you have these discussions, like hockey culture, there's so much that happens behind the scenes. Like when you think about everything that's been swept under the rug, you Mm -hmm. think about the Chicago Blackhawks and then, um, you think about this, you think about the 2003 Canada World Junior Team where Halifax is still doing an investigation into what happened there during the World Junior Championships there. And that was 21 years ago. And so you think about this kind of stuff and this kind of behavior, maybe not as heinous, I would say, is discussed quite often um, as to, oh, do we have to get rid of this player because of this? Or are we not resigning this player because of this? I agree with Andrew. The Alex Formanson thing was, uh, it was pretty obvious right off the hop that there was a reason he wasn't being re-signed. I was a little surprised when a couple other players were given contract extensions just because uh, we kind of knew this was coming. We had heard that potentially we were going to get an NHL investigation announcement sort of around training camp. Mm-hmm. But what happened was the crown attorney in London actually switched in the summer. And so they had to restart and sort of get up to speed. And that caused a bit of a delay in the investigation. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about a criminal investigation here, the when I was working in the NHL with Vancouver at that point, nobody was really expecting criminal charges to be laid. And so it was more of like, when's the NHL going to finish their investigation and let's move on. But when it got to the point where, the police had indicated there may be criminal charges coming. Everybody else kind of took a backseat because the reality is, is police investigations, they don't care about your NHL schedule. They don't care about your all-star break. They don't care about your off season and they don't care about your Stanley cup finals. Mm. When they're ready to announce charges, they're going to do it. And they're not going to be take your, take your schedule into account. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think that's sort of, what happened here, and I, I would like to give some credit to the NHL for saying we're not the most important people here, and our investigation is not trumping the police investigation. Mm. So I think that's sort of where we're at right now, which is we're on the police investigation timeline, which is absolutely the timeline that we need to be on. We don't need to be on the Hockey Canada one, and we certainly don't need to be on the NHL one because they're not the most important entities here. Justice is the most important entity here. Mm, yeah, well said. Uh, Rachel Dory at Rachel Dory on Twitter is where you can find her. Um, the host of the Staff and Graph podcast. Download, subscribe, where you get your podcasts. They'll be talking about this on their new podcast tonight with Mikey. Um, but I want to get to some of the details, right? So, um, and obviously, these are terrible details. 
Uh, this is from the, I believe it's called the Rocky Mountain Outlook. It's just a rip off of the Globe and Mail. It's a free version. You know how we work, right? You got to get the free versions. Uh, five members of the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team told to surrender to London, Ontario Police. That is incoming uh, pending uh, charges connected with an alleged group sexual assault of a woman in a hotel room 2018 after a Hockey Canada Gala fundraiser. Players are honored for their win at the World Junior Championship. Players who haven't been charged yet have been given a set period of time, which I believe, according to the London Police, is uh, February the 5th, if I'm not mistaken, which I so, think is the same day they talk about expansion in Utah, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the <laughs> NHL, which is fascinating. Yeah, that was, just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally a coincidence. Um, I would say if the, the press conference tentatively right now is scheduled for February 5th, what I've been told in talking to people, lawyers from around the London area and people in the police force is if the press conference is for Monday, that usually means that the deadline for these guys to turn themselves in is likely Friday, February 2nd, because they're going to want to get everything squared away and settled so that when they come out and address the media on February the 5th, they can come out with the names. They can come out with the charges for each of the five and can say, these are the next steps. It does nobody any good to hold a press conference and just say, we cannot say anything because then at that point, why are you holding a press conference? So a lot of people in the legal field believe likely February 2nd is the deadline for them to turn themselves in. Okay. You've heard the same thing. Andrew, obviously is they want to have all this wrapped up. So when they have a press conference, they can say, here's what these five gentlemen did. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as, uh, into the the uh, legal side as Rachel is. You don't really, work the phones but, like Rach? <laughs> no, not quite, not quite. But it, it makes sense. It's what pa- it passes the sniff test, right? Of, of what they're the timeline of everything. I, I think what I'm focused on right now, you know, obviously there's talks about hockey culture, and I, I think we can get into that. But I, I think one of the things that takes my focus is reading about this story. Uh, this this woman is cooperating with police and ready to testify in court and be cross-examined by five different legal teams because each of these players will have different legal representation. That's how it works in Canada for these kinds of cases. And I just cannot imagine the mental fortitude it takes Mm. to be a victim of something like this and then to stand in front and be cross-examined by five different groups. So uh, already before it's even happened, uh, I have so much respect for this woman for seeing it through this stuff is so hard you know it's so hard to, to relive with. five times in a row yeah, nonetheless like, have in your mind yeah and you've already been reliving it for over a year since this investigation first like came back into the public or came into public knowledge right yeah. hockey canada swept it under the rug for a long time here it, it's got to be devastating and throughout this whole process i think it behooves everybody to remember that these kinds of investigations unfortunately rarely result in convictions even like we know that people don't lie about this stuff for the most part it's very very rare so be prepared for things to not go the way you want them to go and for justice not to be served and watch this young woman standing up for herself in front of an entire country watching right and Mm. and five different legal teams it's going to be incredibly difficult for her i hope justice is served but even if it's not I think we need to, as a hockey watching populace, be on her side. Don't disagree. Um, and I want to well, get to, Rachel. to go to ahead. Add no, to that, Sam Chang, who is a lawyer first and foremost, but she's kind of in the hockey sphere. She does a lot of work at trying to like move hockey culture forward. She's pointed out that the Supreme Court of Canada, which is the highest court in our nation, has been forthright in saying that our justice system is not properly equipped to prosecute victim like prosecute sexual assault to get justice for victims like it's just not properly set up that way mm-hmm. and when the supreme court of canada is saying that and that changes need to be made i think that's a very key consideration here is that the the court itself has identified that they're failing victims in this particular thing and so just just because they may not be found guilty Found guilty and proven innocent are not the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be beyond a reasonable doubt in this country to be found guilty. It's not a 50-50 thing like it is in the civil suit, which she's already won. And that's the thing is, in Canada, the the victim doesn't press charges, the Crown does. So the Crown makes the decision. And in order to file charges with the court, there has to be 
enough evidence to even get to that point. So the fact that we're already there tells me there's a greater than 50% chance that this happened, but it may not be beyond a reasonable doubt. And so just because they may or may not be found guilty, that doesn't mean that they're proven innocent either. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact-check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact-check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. Back to the show. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io. Do you believe the good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources. And there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip. And they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for their beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot I-O. Hmm. Excellent points. Ones I wouldn't make and reasons why you're both here. Thank you. <laughs> um, because you, you have to point out the fact that everybody's innocent until they're not, right? You have to point out that they're going to have five different sets of lawyers. They're all millionaire NHL players. They can afford uh, incredible representation. The Crown is going to be representing their case on their own. This woman is now a witness in a crime that continually happened to her over an evening where she thought her life was in jeopardy. So let me get to some of the names if I can, because I think this is important. Um, we wrote a piece on it. You can check it out at crier.co. Uh, of course, this is my terrible writing handiwork, but eh, it's there anyway. So I want to get to some of the names here, because as uh, Robin Doolittle broke this article, I would think the world of Robin. I've known him for a long time. He was in the Globe and Mail, five members of the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team, told to surrender to London, Ontario, police to face sexual assault charges, according to two sources. Goes into kind of explaining what we've all explained. Uh, several players were members of the 2018. Uh, here are the names. Uh, Michael McLeod and Cal Foot of the New Jersey Devils. Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers. Dylan Dubay of the Calgary Flames. And former Ottawa Senators player, now plays in Switzerland, Alex Formenton, who you said, not surprised. So obviously lots of stories. Danny Briere's press conference about Carter Hart was real simple. New Jersey Devils put out a couple of interesting things. Say, hey, Michael McLeod, Cal Foot of each request to be granted indefinite leave of absence for the team. The club will have no further comment. Legalese, they can't say anything. Uh, some teams had fun with it, saying that these are mental health issues, like in the case of Dylan Dubay, where you find out indeed it wasn't. Maybe he's having mental health issues as a result of this leave and what he knows he's done. Um, but what does this mean for other players? What does this mean? Because what I want to ask you guys and I think it's a pretty simple question to ask. We know hockey culture. We've heard these stories before. We've all grown up in it. You guys started the show by saying, yeah, you're aware of all kinds of rumors. And until those rumors are true, you never throw any, anybody under the bus. But in your circles, in those tight hockey circles, insider circles, are people starting to freak out? Are players and, and, and other people that have maybe skeletons in top pockets or back pockets or closets stuffed away tight are they starting to freak out? Is this one of those things? Because every time it happens, like the Kyle Beach thing, and every time we think we're going to see some daylight in hockey culture, the door gets closed. Do you think that this is the start of something? And do you think that there are people out there going, 
we better start throwing away pictures and scrubbing our timelines and getting our, our ducks in a row because I have a feeling this is going to kick open the door to some more shit. Yeah, I, I hope that those who have committed acts like this are a little bit afraid right now, uh, shake, shaking in their boots. Uh, I know that there's several players from that 2003 Hockey Canada team that are a little bit worried about what could come out. But there's, I, I think... One thing that I want to focus on with uh, this news breaking and, you know, the Kyle Beach thing, and I, I keep on hearing people say, like, oh, this is a terrible day for hockey. Uh, this is actually a great thing for hockey, or it has the potential to be, because we have to address these issues. We have to actually change hockey culture. And, yeah, it's ugly when you have to dig into it and break these things down and expose the ugly truth of a lot of people who've been told from the time that they were young teens that they're untouchable and they can do whatever they want that, you know, I think everybody has that experience in Canada of the hockey boys in high school. Right. And some of them are great. Some of them are great people. And some of them, because they're very skilled at a sport, this country values greatly mm-hmm. are treated as if everything they touch turns to gold. And that allows these kinds of behaviors to perpetuate. You're talking about the Timbits slush fund that they used to pay off (laughs) sex assault charges. (laughs) Something like that, right? Like Hockey Canada, for example, has changed a lot in the last year. I'm still not sure that the organization itself was worth saving. I I do think they should have just torn it to shreds and been like, and now it's Canada hockey. We're going to start from the ground up. You know, and I know that that's a big thing to do. But I think one of the problems that we have in society today is that everyone is afraid to to rebuild things. It's the same as the NHL, right? How often do you see uh, managers talk about a, a quick retool? They won't want to say the term rebuild. Well, the a R lot word. Of it, it's literally banned in my former employer's offices. Seriously. You're not allowed to say it. <laughs> and like a lot of our institutions have become bloated and don't work for people anymore. They're owned by major corporate interests. And it's the same kind of thing with hockey. It's not just necessarily corporate interests, but the way that we've done things Mm -hmm. has created this situation. We should stop doing that, address it, and rebuild it from the ground up so that Mm -hmm. we don't end up with this much of a problem. Because people, real people, are suffering major indignities, major trauma, major physical trauma. It needs to stop. And I, I think that's what we need to like for the people who are saying it's a bad day for hockey, bad day for hockey. It's it has the potential to be a great time for hockey because not only can you address this stuff in showing that you're willing to address it, you're also going to end up growing the game because people who didn't feel welcome in the culture before will after it's addressed. Rach, I think, yeah, your thoughts. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah that's I want your a thoughts. great. That's a great way of putting it, right? I mean, I've. Andrew's probably privy to a little bit more than than the public as it pertains to my situation and experiences in hockey and some of the things that I've been through as a woman in hockey. And like, let's say I'm white. Like, I don't even have to deal with the race side of it because while I may be from a minority background, it doesn't look like it. So I get to pass. And that's one of those things where in hockey culture, we're at a point where like yesterday was it was a dark day. Like it was really difficult. It was also a long time coming. And I think the NHL, there have been things in the last few years that the NHL has done that I believe are positive, but then there have been so many backward steps that just send the wrong message. So when you have like a fan inclusion committee, it's like, okay, that's, that's great. But when you don't use them and then you get rid of them and then you ban pride jerseys and then you ban like all types of initiatives because you're afraid of what the, minority of the old white dudes are thinking that's where it becomes a problem and I think in hockey there is this culture of don't have a personality don't stand out don't speak up everything goes under the rug and now we're kind of seeing this new generation of players that has a personality that isn't afraid to speak up that are kind of coming out and and talking about what's important to them and I think those are the players that are going to help move the culture forward. But as a league, this is going to be different. The Kyle Beach situation was a player, but it was a, and a staff member that was not in the league. This is a situation where four current NHL players are going to be charged criminally. Like we know this, their charges have been filed in the court. We don't know 100% certainty who they are, but we know 
five players who have played in the NHL or are playing are being charged. And the NHL has an opportunity to say, if you are criminally charged with X, Y, or Z, we are issuing you a lifetime ban. We are voiding your contract. We are doing because this behavior is not acceptable in our league. And I think if they do that, they will send a strong enough message to the league, the players, the fans saying, yes, we have screwed up in the past and our culture is terrible, but we are willing to take a step in the right direction. And quite frankly, I think anything less than a lifetime ban is totally unacceptable. You know, and and we we yammed about that. Like, what will happen, right? We talked about it in the podcast yesterday because I try to look for comparatives when I look at situations like this, as, as weird as that is. I think a lot of people do, actually, where they're like, okay, you know, if these guys are guilty, if it's not alleged, if they're found guilty, we got Logan Mayu on the sidelines who, you know, took pictures of a girl he was with, shared them with his friends, and it, I mean, that is assault. That is sexual abuse of someone without their knowledge. It's exactly what it is. And he's not in the league. And I don't know if he ever will be because every time he does anything, he trends in the wrong direction, right? Like it's just, you know, he is blackballed for life from the league. It's just how it feels. I don't know if that's the case or if that's the way it's going to end up. But you think about how much more egregious this sex is. assault, confinement, rape charges. This is to that. And you think about the stance the NHL took with him. To your point, here's a question. Um, I don't know if he – I agree with you. I think if you get caught raping somebody, stealing someone's innocence, sexually assaulting an, an individual, and on top of it, hiding it, running away from it for six years, uh, and I don't even want to get into Hockey Canada's responsibility oh, here because yeah. they, you got to go after yeah. them too. But if you get caught doing that and the NHL institutes a ban for life, how many more players are you going to have to ban? You might have some teams that might not be able to field a roster in some cases. Like, you know, like it, 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 I don't think that it's something that they would do. I think it would be a soft, like, hey, we're, no one's signing this guy. It's collusion at best. <laughs> but, but at the same time, like the way that Ottawa dealt with Alex Foreman, at the same time, my question would be, you know, why, why has this been allowed? Well, how has this been allowed? How is because because listen, if you guys knew about it as hockey insiders, Gary Bettman knew about it, Bill Daly knew about it, right? Everybody with the NHL knew yep. about it, and they're all like, Well, until someone says something or until something definitive happens, we're not doing anything. Like, I know you give the NHL credit, but do they deserve any? The bar is so, and I like Andrew and I are on the same page, and I'll let you like kind of chime in here too, but like the bar is so low with the NHL. And I get it because they're both lawyers and there are, there's contracts and the PA would fight it. And because it's technically their obligation to do it, even though Marty Walsh is assuredly not on side with it. Um, that is technically his job as the director of the PA. I think once you are criminally charged and on the Logan, my youth thing, he's playing in the AHL, but the NHL, I believe, and Andrew follows Montreal more closely. So maybe I'll let him kind of confirm this, but he has not been given the 100% green light to play in the NHL last time I checked. Um, and if he has, I would sort of raise an eyebrow at that. But I would think that in this particular case, um, there are different functionalities in the CBA because if you do, there's in, in every NHL contract, there's a conduct clause. Um, and like Evander Kane had his contract voided because he faked a vaccination. And as ridiculous as that is it's one of my favorite voids of all time by the way <laughs> like as ridiculous as that is it is nowhere near as serious as what the really? allegations against these five yeah. players are and so i think gary bettman is well within his purview to say that is conduct detrimental to the national hockey league and i am voiding your contract but andrew i don't know if you want to chime in on the logan my you think because that's I feel like that's something we're, that's going to have to get addressed here in the next couple of years as well. Yeah, I mean, all I can say about Mayu is what I've heard. And uh, like, I trust uh, Chantal Maccabee from, from the Canadians. She's somebody who is a trailblazer in as a woman covering hockey. Uh, was the only woman in Quebec newsrooms for a very long time. And I'm sure she's dealt with 
comments that would make our eyes roll in the back of our heads, you know? So she has let it be known whenever she's been able to speak about it, that Mayu does seem to be on track in like trying to mend fences with what he's done. Uh, trying to become a better person, going through therapy, rehabilitate. Yeah, yeah, trying, and, and I, I do believe in rehabilitation. You know, yep. uh, we have to talk about the seriousness of what he did, of course. But somebody can be rehabilitated. We can't take that off the the, the table. But uh, last I heard, is the NHL had said that they would be willing to let him play in the league when the Canadians like decide to call him up. But I don't know if that's been rubber stamped yet, or if there's just a verbal agreement between the NHL and the Montreal Canadians. Either way, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, he's, he's scoring well in the AHL, but he's still, uh, he's kind of one of those guys who has a lot of skills, but the brain hasn't caught up to his body yet. And those guys usually don't oh, like last me. very long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it's think, a it's a tough way, yeah. but to do it. But uh, in in terms of like the NHL's role in all this, I have zero faith in them to yeah. do anything except for protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, they have well, zero levels done. of tr- transparency. Well, you've never right? seen anything else. Well, we've right? seen Corey Perry be have his contract voided. No in no information whatsoever on that. The only yeah. tidbits of information we had came because a stupid rumor account on Twitter Someone spread mom. something that people were like, that's funny, so I'll believe it. <laughs> and it was nowhere and near you, true. No, well, just, not even just close. So you, yeah, and just so you know, sometimes rumors can be funnier than the truth, and I don't mind those either. A hundred percent. Now, yeah. and we've seen him have his contract voided, sign with another team when most people assume that his career was over. And we still don't actually know the details of what he's done. It's incredible, isn't it? It, it is wild. We've seen Shane Pinto miss half a season, and we Gambling. still don't know the actual details of yeah. what happened there. Bro like, gambled too much. That's all he did. Like, right. But like, unless you're gambling on hockey, then you're he allowed also to gamble. He gambled on hockey. Even though they said he didn't gamble on hockey, my theory is that that's the only way he's suspended for half a year. Right. right. But if you gamble on hockey, I feel like that should be a lifetime ban as an yeah. NHL player. So it's either he was punished way too harshly for something that isn't against the rules or way too softly for something that really is. And you're like, I, you have no idea what to think because the NHL will not give details on anything. They operate as if they're like in this protectionist racket and not a public facing business. And I, I expect nothing good from them, honestly. I honestly think that the only reason we might get a point of differentiation here is because this is going to be in a criminal court where you're going to be able to file for freedom of information, right? We can't file for freedom of information with Shane Pinto or Corey Perry, even though the NHL, I mean, be like, they probably should have said something because even players, like I have clients that were like, what did he do so that I don't do it? And like they didn't even bother to tell the players what they did, and so you gotta, that's when you make shit up, though. That's what I would do if I were you. But so, like, but I think in this situation, good. it's a little bit different because Katie Strang and Rick Westhead and Robin Doolittle—they're going to be all over this. They're going to be yep. filing freedom of information requests. We're going to get details, and the NHL is like, if some of the details come out and they're heinous, as I'm sure they're going to be. The NHL is really not going to have an option here, which is kind of why I'm glad that they're taking a back seat to the London police investigation, because let's be honest here, that police investigation wouldn't even have gotten reopened if it weren't for the reporting of Rick Westhead and then the pressure from the federal government. Mm-hmm. So the London police have some answering to do to begin with as well. I think Hockey Canada has answering to do. The London police have answering to do. Like, there, there are quite a few people that have answering to do. And this is a, a situation where I think it's a little different because there is a freedom of information request that is yeah. going to be made for some of these details. And the NHL is going to have to answer for the fact that, uh, yes, they couldn't suspend these players because of the CBA. But now that details will presumably be out, like, Gary Bettman's basically going to be like, my hands are tied. I have to lifetime ban these guys because this is heinous and I can't have this in my league. 
silly question, but is there not like, uh, you know, every team's got a morality clause in every contract for every player, which we understand, right? That's how they avoided Corey Perry, Vander Kane. Still the greatest avoid of all time. I love it. Do you have accident? Totally. Here's my thing. And they're like, yeah, this, you made this on your computer. It's, it's like so the benchwarmers no. thing. Like, I'm 12. Like, <laughs> it's on like lined paper. Yeah, with a crayon. <laughs> he taped it to make it look like it got Mac tacked and everything. No, that's yeah. plastic. It's all good. That's legit. There's a hologram I got from a sugar crisp box. Anyway, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. Um, but uh, as far as voiding, do, do they not have a policy? I, Cause I don't know. Do so, they not have a policy in place for stuff like this? Yeah, there is a morality there. It's, it's called the conduct clause. Um, and well, what is boy, it how do they not, do they not use it as often as they should? Let's just yes, say that. This is true. Um, <laughs> Wow. Um, but the thing is, is the PA always fights that. And I think we're in a situation right now where this is out of the control of both the NHL and the PA. And I'm, oh. I'm not 100% sure, but and I'm going to have to go back and read the CBA. Wow, as if I have nothing else better to do. Um, it's I Thursday. You got a whole Friday in front of you to read the CBA. Something in there that says that if a player is charged criminally, the commissioner can suspend them immediately. Cause like, yeah. I remember when Slava Voinov got charged, basically Gary Bettman was like, and you're out like, that's it. We're done here. And mm -hmm. there was kind of nothing there uh, for him to do. And the PA did not even bother to, to try. And I, I think we're kind of in a situation here where Gary Bettman can say, uh, they're not playing in the league while they're under like, criminally while well, they're criminally charged like we're not having potential criminals playing in our league and once they're the details come out we will make the decision at that point but there is a commissioner ineligible list that i'm i would have to think that these guys are going to get put on now it did come out that until they are formally charged they're going to count against the salary cap and all this stuff which i don't necessarily agree with but I, would I can't have believe to that's think. a conversation today. Like, yeah, you know like, how, many, how many players in New Jersey and Calgary are like, yeah, yeah, that, okay, yeah, good luck to her. Yeah. Like, like, can we talk about, does this count against a cap? Can we go out and get relief? Yeah, exactly, right? And so, like, I look at this and I'm like, that should probably be something where Gary Bettman, once, the, once they're formally charged and arraigned in a courtroom, where he's going to say, okay, um, yeah, they're not – uh, on not only are they not on the roster anymore, which when I looked this afternoon, none of those players were listed on the NHL rosters anymore. Come on, like, they already got taken off the the, the website. They're like, oh, they're off the website. You can't buy their jerseys. You can't customize it using their name. Like you Come cannot on. do anything. And so I feel like the moment they're charged, we'll probably get a statement from the NHL saying that they're indefinitely suspended. Is that not? Andrew, is that what Rachel just said? Is that not like a um, bit of a tell? Like you're 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 like literally scratching them from your website. You cannot buy their jerseys. Is that not like a little bit of a tell as far as like, okay, listen, if these guys get charged, they're done. Yeah, I mean, it tells me they were prepared for it, right? Yeah. It, it tells me that they were ready to cut all that stuff out immediately. They had people on hand. They knew. Oh yeah. To to get that done because. A lot of that, like not being able to customize a jersey with their name, that's they they knew, right? <laughs> yeah. If you have that coded into your website, right? You know, like the IT people, they were working yesterday. Yes, they they had they had a busy day yesterday. Uh, I think it just says to me exactly what I expect from the NHL, which is like it's about protecting themselves first and foremost. It's not going to be about what's necessarily what's right. And I think what we're going to see is something similar to the Voinov situation where he was not given like a lifetime ban from the NHL, but it's so toxic and so heinous that nobody's actually willing to touch it. It's, it's too, it's that bad because it's public. If mm -hmm. it wasn't public, I am afraid to see how many people would still be employing these players. I do you guys, do you guys remember, was he a Finnish hockey player? Um, he was, he ended up becoming a drug runner. He played for the Kings for a long time. Do you remember that guy? And he was like, Whoa, this guy's like involved with the hell's angels in Finland and shit. Do you remember that? Dude? Oh no, I do not remember, do remember that. This. What? Yeah. 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 Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like 20 years ago. He played oh, for LA. Okay. Well, I was like a child. So yeah, yeah. You were six. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Finns who've played for LA. The only one I can think of from that long ago is like Yari Curry. And I don't think it was him. I don't no, think it's him. No. No, it's it's like a Finnish. It's like some Nordic dude. I can't remember his name, but he's a big beard, bald dude. He was a defenseman. 
And the NHL is like, yeah, yeah, he's too scary. Let's send him back to Finland. <laughs> and he just goes back, plays in the Finnish Elite League, keeps running drugs, part of a biker gang. He's like, hey, this is just who I am. I mean, you know, to your point, the NHL hockey culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when you're too gnarly for hockey culture in the NHL, you're gnarly because we're watching this whole thing really kind of play out in front of us. Um, I'll let you guys go. I, I, I want to thank you for your time today, and I want to wrap up a little bit um, with predictions. Um, there's all these gentlemen uh, who may or may not be the fellas who we named in that report who all took leaves from their team, uh, said the report. Um, do, I, I know you don't expect the NHL to do the right thing, but do you expect – any charges from this? Do you expect these guys to play in the NHL again? We'll start with Andrew and we'll finish with Rage. I think all five have played their last game uh, in the mm-hmm. NHL. Uh, there may be opportunities in the KHL like there was for Slava Voinov if they end up not going to prison. But this is too public. People are too aware of it. Uh, the fact that there were multiple hearings in front of the House of Commons about this issue, it, it's, it's too big and too bad now that it's public for the NHL to ignore, I think they're, they're done. Rich. Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of what the outcome is, um, I, I think at this point, once we saw with Slava Voinov, like he's never played in the NHL again. And I think when you look at Alex Formenton, he was basically blackballed from the league. And, and so when you look at this, like, I am not for a single second going to say that any GM with the exception of like two have a moral compass, but I think they have enough of a like heart to say this guy was charged, which is already serious enough. I don't think for, for, for a sport that preaches character and, our guys are the nicest guys. I don't think signing somebody that's been previously charged with sexual assault is congruent with that. So I'm with Andrew. I think they've all played their final game in the NHL. Yeah. At the very least you like, they may not have the morality necessary to prevent them from doing it, but I'm sure that all 32 GMs in the league just don't want to deal with the hassle. Uh, I don't know. questions. Yeah. The questions, Mm -hmm. the media circus that would be involved. Uh, I mean, the interview luckily, process where you deal with well, the think actual about Mitchell Andrew, Think about Mitchell Miller. Like Mitchell Miller yeah, was um, the the draft pick that then had to be rescinded because he was found uh, in a court to have, like, as a child to have bullied a developmentally disabled yeah. uh, black kid. And then he went through and like uh, did or didn't do all this stuff. And the Boston Bruins signed him, and within two days had to basically say, "Yeah, uh, we're not." kidding we were kidding we are not actually doing that because there was lash and like that is like the bullying and the racism associated with that was absolutely horrendous mitchell miller was also 13 when he did that and we weren't even willing to accept that so i can't imagine a scenario where we're willing to accept adults who were representing their nation Mm. who conducted themselves in a far more heinous crime potentially going down that path. I mean, I look, I look at the Mitchell Miller response and I'm, and the Logan, my you thing. And I think that's probably a situation where GMs are smart enough to say, yeah, "Yeah, I don't think I'm going to bark down. Yeah. It's encouraging. If you look at those responses, you hope you get a similar, uh, you know, leveraged response, uh, you know, with this one, which is just a crying shame. I mean, you know, like young men that are protected and entitled that are, you know, and it's that hockey culture starts young, right? It really, really does. And I hope that uh, a lot of parents pay attention to this stuff. And I hope that a lot of dads, hockey dads have enough respect for the hockey moms to teach their young men uh, about the protection and the provision of women, about how to treat women, how to treat you, how to treat you as a child, because really it's that culture of disrespect, right? You know, to disrespect a woman, to take advantage of her like those, you know, it's alleged those five men have at least five that they could get information on. I think that's the really sad part for me is that, you know, the lack of education. You know, there's an old saying that educate uh, your young man because it's a lot easier to educate um, a young man than it is to re-educate an old man. You know, like a lot of us that don't get the education have to go back and double back and get it. And sometimes the education comes in these forms and you're going to watch four, five promising young hockey players, four 
you know, rostered NHL players might never, ever, ever play in the league again. So, you know, and, and not, not only that, I mean, and that's that's the least of the issues. You got a woman who is, you know, courageous enough to be able to go through five different depositions, five different cross examinations to Andrew Berkshire's point um, to be able to stand up against hockey culture, bro culture, rape, you know, sexual assault. And and, and Rach, last word, um, you know, as a female, you know, and, and you've been tight in this culture, you 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 try to work in this in this world that is long disrespected women. Do you have any hope? after seeing what's going on here today? Um, honestly, no. Uh, it's like, and that's such an indictment of where we are. I think I'm kind of with Andrew on this one. Like I have, let's face it, I have my own case I'm fighting and it's nowhere near as serious as um, what this young woman is going through. But like to just get the NHL to take it seriously is like a, a chore. And mm they're the leading hockey culture ombudsman and unfortunately they just don't do a very good job and so um i mean it's it's basically the reason that i i don't want to work for an nhl team anymore and it's not that i haven't had conversations with teams or anything like that it's just i don't want to put myself in a position where it's so compromising to my mental health and who i am as a person um i'm just not confident that we're going in the right direction quickly enough. Like this thing is moving slower than an iceberg and it's just not good enough. And so as a woman right now, like especially in the NHL, I don't feel protected. And I feel for all the women who have to work in the sport, who cover the sport, who are kind of involved at an intimate level. And I think um, those are the people that you need to be thinking about because However hard you think it might be for you, it's harder for the women. And it's particularly harder for the women of color who have to deal with a double whammy. And so it's just, I, I have almost no hope, but I'm, I'm holding out hope that maybe this is big enough that it is a sledgehammer to the side of the head of the people that need it. Good. Well, Rachel, listen, uh, if there's if there's something that sits above your hockey knowledge and your science brain, your <laughs> character uh, and your ability to stand up for what's right. I'm really grateful to have you on the show. And it's awesome to have you here. Andrew Berkshire, uh, independent hockey analyst. Dude, I've been a fan of yours for a really long time. You're writing. I think you're one of the best hockey guys in the world. So the fact that I got to have you on the show today means a lot to me. Where can we find you and your work right now? And uh, tell us where the easiest place to get a hold of you if you want to consume Andrew Berkshire hockey stuff. Uh, I'm, I have really creative usernames on all social media. It's just uh, first name, last name. No spaces, dots or anything. It's just, you know, I'm... I've yeah. always been a, an artist when it comes to naming things. So. No, you just got on those apps early. That's the problem. <laughs> I got on late, which is why I don't have my name. So you're just one of those keeners. Andrew Berkshire <laughs> everywhere, right? There you go. All right. Uh, listen, guys, thank you both. Uh, absolute pleasure to be educated by you guys today. Uh, and let's stay in touch and do this again and, and come back and talk about the Oilers when they're when they're 15th in a row. How's that sound? Sounds good. All Sounds right, good. guys. Okay, take care. Rachel Dory, Andrew Berkshire, uh, two incredible hockey minds talking about a really tough subject. That's what happens when you get pros, pros involved, right? Pros, pros. Those are pros. Andrew Berkshire, give him a follow anywhere you get your fine social media, as well as at Rachel Dory, at Andrew Berkshire. Uh, and, and I'll tell you something about Rach. Maybe one of the toughest, toughest young people you've ever met in your life. It's just a world of courage. Everybody should be more like Rachel Dory. Andrew Berkshire. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, all this is brought to you by our friends at Cantorque, makers of the world's greatest rugged, hardworking torque wrenches, Canada's leading industrial tool experts, giving you the very best in sales, service, rentals, calibration, maintenance, and custom fabrication of industrial torque tools. Look at their new website. Ooh, that's right. He's got a brand new website where you can spec everything. You can learn about reliability. You can trust 20 years of experience and knowledge on the table, providing you with comprehensive solutions for any bolting need you have, saving you time, effort, and hassle from tool rentals to calibration service, repairs to custom fabrication, distribution opportunities. Cantor gives you a full, complete range of services and products, making them your one-stop shop destination for all your bolting needs. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter in the industry. could be in heavy machinery, forestry, 
could be in the steel industry, the nuclear industry, railroad industry. These gentlemen do it for industries around the world, and they're proudly Canadian. Manufactured, designed everything here in this beautiful country of ours. Colin Livingston is a proud Canadian. Go to cantorque.com today. Check out their podcast, Talking Torque, uh, anywhere you get your fine podcasts as well. And look for Colin through our socials. Give him a visit, cantorque.com as well. Brought to you by our friends at Gitch. Luxury branded underwear, boxer briefs with a pouch in the front. You will love these things. They have underwear. They have free underwear. Gitch3 is your promo code. Check that out today. And when you pump in the promo code, you get a free pair. The best underwear on the planet, engineered for any level of performance as well as everyday life. Super soft, barely their fabric, keeping you cool with moisture wicking action. Luxurious modal. You'll never want to take these off. Doesn't matter if you're one run, walk, crawl. If you're if you're into some nighttime wrestling. These things look great prior to the wrestle. Uh, and the pouch is incredible. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Gitch3 is your promo code at checkout. Luxury branded boxer briefs. You'll never take these off. Go to edgefineimports.com today to check them out. And, of course, we are also brought to you by Muse Massage Spa. These are educators, sexologists. Their podcast is incredible. It's called Muse on the Mic. If you want to learn about how to get in touch with your fleshy side, if you want to talk about advocacy in the sex work industry if you want to talk about healthy sexual relationships if you want to talk about what you're interested in if you want to learn about the industry muse on the mic download and sub that podcast today or go to muse massage spa for more details and that's it have a great day everybody appreciate you being here we will see you tomorrow with mr charles adler bye-bye everybody bye bye and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. To the Blue Hotel I wanna live At the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere The imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker it's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.